0: Good morning, and uh, as Ryan was reminding me, uh, as we were in preparation for the Good Friday service, and uh, if you know anything about Good Friday, it's it's a good it's a good day, Amen. It's a good day because it's the day that we know our Savior went to the cross and and died for us, died for our sins. But uh, sometimes you don't know how to take it, because uh, when you're getting together, are we, are we being reflective? Is this a somber service? Is it celebration? And sometimes you think, you know, the problem is, uh, you know, it's Friday, but Ryan said Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming, and Sunday's here. And we're here to celebrate the Lord's resurrection and what it means in our lives today. So we're... So thank you for coming this morning. Let's welcome everyone in to the, to, the, to the sanctuary as we get prepared to, to worship the Lord and to celebrate. And we're just going to open up with a, a word of prayer this morning. Could we do that? Could we stand together? And could we just, could we just invite the Lord's presence here among us? Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks today for Resurrection Sunday. We thank you today, Lord, that the, the tomb is no longer is no longer filled with you. It is empty. It is empty. We thank you, God, that the resurrection of Jesus has never been disproven. It it has stood the test of time as a testimony of your word and its truth. And Lord, we celebrate today what that means in our lives. And not only what it means in our lives now, but what it means for us as a community of believers and how we're to live each and every day of our lives and what it means. So I just pray, Father, that your spirit would come and you would tabernacle among us today. And would you reveal, Jesus, would you reveal yourself in a greater way among us today? Lord, I pray for each one that is here, those who may be visiting for the very first time. Lord, we we thank you for them. We ask your blessing on them. Maybe it's been a long time. May they sense your presence. May they sense your love this morning and a welcome into this place. And so, Lord, we just pray over every aspect of the service today, from the worship to the, to the announcements to the It's time to your word. And we just ask, God, that you would just bathe it in your presence and in your power. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do today touching hearts and lives. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said Amen. Amen. God bless you as you worship this morning.
1: Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life. So, so. out no worth you paid it.
2: All right, Lord, I need you. holy Spirit led the definition all right well my name's Quinton I'm from Prince George BC 21 years of age I uh, go to school with Caleb Baldwin what a man Man of God. Uh, thank you for the Baldwins for having us for this weekend. Such a blessing. And I thank you guys that you've opened your doors to fellow brothers. Um, first off, I was, I grew up in like a Christian and went to church on like regular Sundays. Nothing too special, kind of just because it's a good thing to do, right? Um, and uh, so I'm just going to catch my breath for a second. I was about 16, and my mom and my dad, my dad loved my mom so much he would do anything for her, right? And when I was 16, my mom decided to leave, and, and it broke my heart seeing a man pour a love out on somebody and, and then get rejected, right? And I was like, wow, like, how is that possible? So I was like, you know what, like, I'm, I'm done with this, Then and I moved out. And when I moved out, the problem is is that when I was in high school, I got bullied all the time, and I used to tell lies that I'd drink or do drugs just to, like, look cool, but I never did it. The thing is is that when I moved out, those lies became truths. So I got into anything that you probably should not get into. And I came about 18 years old, and then I got arrested, and that's when I realized that I hit rock bottom. I spent 24 hours in a holding cell, and I was sitting there looking at the walls, going, all right, God, I... I think I know you, but I don't know who you are. I don't know your voice. I need you right now because that's all I've heard before. So I got out, and I was like, I was looking for a Bible. I was reading, and a, a verse came to me, and it's Hebrews ten, 12. Don't quote me on that. Um, and it's, I discipline those who I love as my father disciplines, as a father disciplines their son. And that hit me, and it realized how much the Lord loved me, and this is why he did this. How much he wanted me, so now I got impacted in such a way that he he loved me and he showed me his love. But then, for some reason, I still couldn't get that in my heart. I can understand it, but I couldn't get it in here. And it came to a place where I went on a walk, and I was like, you know what? Like, full of so much shame and guilt from my life that I didn't know what to do. So I was going out for a walk, and I walked past this tree, and there's a patch of snow, and it's clear. And I kept going, and I was like, Lord, like I need. I need to feel your love. I need some tangible presence of your love because I don't actually know what, what the experience is like. And then I, so I decided, I just felt like just walk back home, which is odd because that wasn't the plan. And as soon as I walked around this tree, there's a, there's a white patch of snow and in the shape is little footprints in the shape of a heart. And that hit me so hard because instantly God touched my heart and I was like, whoa, wow, he, he does love me. He does love me. And so I continued to to read my word, but I was still kind of trapped in one foot on one side and one foot on the other of my old life and my new life. And it came to sentencing day, and I was supposed to get three years, and I was going, and I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. You say in your word that you you don't put us through more than we can handle. You make all things good, and I don't see this at the moment. Lord, I want to follow you, but I don't see this. And so I walked in, and I was like, you know what? You know what? Like There's nothing I can do, but I'm going to have faith that you're going to make something happen because that is the God you are. And I walked in, and I got 30 days instead of three years because I got a deal. So praise the Lord, because if I was three years, I wouldn't be here right now. So I thank the Lord every day for that. And as soon as I got out, it came to a point where I was like, wow, Lord, all right, you know what? You're going to do that? You can have it all. And I gave it up, and he helped me with my alcohol addiction so fast. It was like instant. As soon as I got out, I was like, I looked at it, and I was like, I'm walking the other way, because I know that God is better than that. It came to a point where I was sitting there, sitting there was a friend I used to party with, and she went to YWAM, and I saw her come back on fire for God, and I was like, she's got something that I don't have, but I want it. So, I, and so she prayed for me, and, and she's like, you got, I feel like you've got to go to school, and it was instantly on my heart, and I was like, okay, okay, I, I might be able to do that. Well, then, of course, doubt set in, and I was like, no, I got so many circumstances that would prevent me from ever going to, to a school. But I, eventually, I came to a point where our church did a, uh, a week-long canoe trip, and I was in the middle of a valley of a mountain, and in, that, in the valley of that mountain, there was a thunderstorm. And you could feel God's power shake the mountain, shake the water, and shake the boat. And it was just pure and raw. And I was like, that is the God I serve. I want to know more of you. And now, so I got out and I was like, you know what? I guess Lord, He already did what to my life? So I guess I might as well take another step of faith. And I applied and I got instantly accepted, regardless of circumstances. Everything fell through finances, so miraculously it's unexplainable. And I ended up in Eston College. And then I met the Baldwins. Thank you.
0: used to church being a little exciting and a little bit worshipful. When Connor McDavis scores a goal, puts the Oilers ahead, right? I watched the highlight reel when he he had the stick way over on the left-handed shooter, way over on the left side, and the goalie is hugging the post, and somehow he roofs that puck up over the goalie's shoulder. goalie didn't see it coming. 20,000 people stand up and they start cheering. And the place goes crazy. <laughs> Folks, there's a reason why we celebrate today. There's a reason why we celebrate because Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, he says, as for you, that's for us. Because we were where the Ephesians were. Amen. He says that you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. Before Jesus, folks, that's where we were. Like the song said this morning, we were in the grave. And we had the grave clothes on. Dead in our trespasses, our transgressions, and our sins. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit of who is now at work in those who are disobedient. But, and I love the buts that come, right? But, because of His great love for us, and this isn't my sermon, by the way, who is rich in mercy made us alive in with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. We can't earn it. Amen and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus that's why we celebrate that's why we celebrate so if you're if this isn't your normal church Easter Sunday We make no apologies over it because, folks, when you experience life, it makes you want to sing. It makes you want to dance. It makes you want to express your heart before the Lord who gave everything to us upon the cross. Amen? He gave everything to us, and how much more should we give back to him who gave us everything and made us new? in Him. How many are glad this morning that because Jesus has been raised, we too will be raised with Him. Praise His name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if you're visiting, well, you just got a couple of envelopes pop over here. If you're, if you're with us this morning, your first time, welcome. Welcome to Maple Street. Just want to bring a few announcements. Just want to bring a few announcements. Number one. Yeah, we'll lower that down. Number one, uh, of course, on uh, Tuesday night, We are meeting together uh, for The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson, and uh, it's a video-based study, and uh, it's on on the subject of prayer, and I'm really uh, happy about how things are going in terms of relationship building, and uh, of course, people just coming together, sharing their cares, sharing their burdens, and just creating a, a cohesion in community, and I just I'm so appreciative of how the Lord is working in that regard. Also coming up, um, I'm not going to rehearse all the announcements. Please check in your bulletin. But I do want to share a short uh, video uh, concerning an upcoming concert here, at Watoto Children's Choir. If we could get that on the, the screen. Because I don't want to get caught needing to tell a story. Let's give these guys a few a few seconds to see if we can get that there do we have audio might need to take it back do we have audio on that see they're 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 energetic and vibrant How many have seen the the choir before? Oh, a number of you have seen the... Who hasn't seen the choir before? You haven't seen Watoto? Well, if you can be here, May the 1st, Tuesday, May 1st, at 7 o'clock, it's a real treat. We've, we've, uh, I think we've hosted... uh, Watoto's been hosted here before, also at the Alliance Church, and I had the privilege of hosting them uh, three times previous, when we were in the Maritimes, and uh, I remember when I was in Sussex, New Brunswick, we drew about 800 people, and probably 85 90% of the people that were in attendance had never seen them before. So it was really, really cool. So just a, a little, a little uh, preview there. Watoto coming May 1st, 7 o'clock, here at Maple Street Worship Center. Please let folks know. It is a great cultural event, beautiful children, wonderful songs, great energy, and great testimonies. And, isn't it, and you'll be able to see and hear the hope that Jesus brings Uh, not only into their lives now, but also for their future. Amen? So, Watoto, May 1st, 7 o'clock. We're going to move now to our uh, morning tithe and offering, and we're going to worship the Lord in our giving. So if we could stand together this morning, and we could just declare this over our lives as we partner with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestation, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions, and promotions to promotions, to go to the nations, souls and more souls, from every generation saved and set free caring kingdom revival thank you father that as i join my value system to yours you will shower favor blessing and increase upon me so that i may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see jesus get his full reward hallelujah amen 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 and as we're receiving our offering, I know Ben has got his hand there in the offering plate, but we're going to take a few moments here as soon as that's settled to uh, call the children up as they are dismissed to Children's Church. It's great to see the kids active. And kids bring life, don't they? Kids bring life. So we're going to ask the kids to come up. they're coming reluctantly because they're shy as we saw earlier right they're very shy very shy okay Ben Ben is uh, just about done his offering his uh, his ushering duties let's pray let's pray Father we thank you for the testimony we heard this morning from Quentin and we thank you Lord that you're interested in young lives you're interested in, in, uh, in them knowing you Lord and them experiencing you and you'll, you will go to great lengths to do it and so Father we thank you for the children that are here this morning we ask your blessing upon them we ask Lord that you would lead and guide and give wisdom to those who are serving them and teaching them, that, Lord, that you would help them to be instructed in your ways and to know your voice and experience you in a very real and a powerful, life-changing way. And so, Lord, bless the children as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So as the children are raptured to the treehouse room, for those who us who are alive and remain, yeah, left, those who are left behind. I don't know if you've seen the Left Behind series or read the books, but those who are left behind. If you could turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We've been celebrating this morning the resurrection of Jesus. We've been celebrating the, um, the life that, that Christ brings us. And uh, it's fantastic if we can get the slide up there, the sermon title slide. Thank you, Aiden. We got a number of young bucks involved in some of these here uh, technical things, and I think he has more experience now with Proclaim than I do. I was uh, saying when 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 Ethan had uh, we needed Ethan's help, and I'm like, he's 14, and he has more experience than I do now, even though I have gray in my beard. We've been celebrating the the, the resurrection of Jesus this morning, and just. Uh, anybody find the worship just engaging? I, I did. I just, I just felt like at one point just really dancing. I really did. Celebrating the new life. How many understand that, that, that when it comes to new life, that when Jesus gives you life, he gives you abundant life, that there should be something different, mark, markedly different about us as believers. Would you agree with that this morning? There should be something different Quentin was, was relating in his testimony of how he was, he had, uh, you know, the direction that he went in his life and, and, and how he had, how he had uh, ended up getting into things he shouldn't have got into and, and, and had struggling with addictions. And yet when he gave his life to Jesus, he gave it all to Christ, it all changed. He was delivered, he was set free, and he had a, a brand new journey, a brand new purpose in his life. Amen? So there should be something different about believers in Christ. There should be something different about the body of Christ, the church. But interestingly enough, and and I don't want to make this sound like bad news this morning because we've been dealing with some good news. But the sad part is is that research has indicated, there's been a number of of researches, Barna has done this, I believe also Ron Sider published a book titled The Scandal of the Evangelical Conscience. And if you read that little book, it's a powerful book. And in that book, he basically is, is, is serving as a mirror and saying, "Listen, there's something wrong in the church that that claims that they have been born again, that they have been raised with Christ." Because what's happening is there are those who are who are. By their activity, by their daily activity, they're committing treason, he says, in their actions. With their mouths, on one hand, they could be worshiping, they could be claiming Christ as their Savior, as their Lord, and so on. But with their actions, their allegiance is to other things. Their allegiance is to money. Their allegiance is to personal self-fulfillment. And what he basically is saying, that this is really setting up the wrong kind of picture for the church. Really, in a, in a sense, an embarrassing reality. Because what he's saying is that most Christians' lives are no different than the lives of their secular neighbors. A very stinging rebuke that he brings. Talking about the things like domestic violence and pornography, and you could, he has a, a list there I won't get into. But basically, what he's saying is that there are a number of Christians whose lives, most of the ones that were surveyed, most of their lives don't reflect what it means to be a countercultural contrast community. But as we've already established this morning, that we know that the Bible says that there should be something different about us. We shouldn't be living the same way, not when Jesus is your Lord and not when Jesus is your King. Because how in the world are we able to bring a good news of something that has dramatically changed us if we are not looking different? Christians are to be different. And so this morning my title is simply this, Since You've Been Raised with Christ, Paul writes in Colossians, picking up at verse 1. He says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. And in verse 5, we're going we're gonna to get into all of that. He's talking about putting to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. But then he moves on in verse 12, and he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with... Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive us, the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And we'll stop right there. And Father, we just pray this morning for your word that it would, oh Lord, that it would go forth in power, and that it would not return void, that it would change our hearts and lives in conformity with the kind of community that you desire us to be. Lord, we are a product of the Spirit, not of our own doing. You have constituted us in Christ through the Spirit to be the church, to be the community that moves in, in the power of God, in our words and in our deeds, to show forth the glory of your kingdom and invite those who do not yet know you into that glory of your kingdom. And so, Lord, may we be faithful to the calling in which you have Bestowed upon us to the vocation, may Lord Jesus, we see in this in this message something that we can take home, something that we can apply as a church, and something we can apply individually in our families as well. We ask it all in Jesus' name, and everyone said, "Amen, Amen." Amen. It's interesting that I'm, I'm a bit, I get a bit of a scholarly uh, uh, angle to myself. I try to, try to keep it as. as as straightforward as I possibly can. But it's interesting that when you do a little bit of background into the letter to the Colossians, that there was a number of false teachings in the church, circulating around the church. One of the teachings was known as Gnosticism. And basically, the Gnostics prided themselves on having a secret knowledge that no one else had. They were getting revelation from somewhere that no one else was getting and so they prided themselves on that. And the impression was is that you won't really be happy in your life until you get in on the secrets that we have. Interestingly enough, they, they believed that the body was, was uh, inherently sinful and they practiced a system of self-denial, even self-torture to try to get them, themselves to a higher spiritual state. But then there was others who were on the ex- exact extreme opposite. Those who believed that, hey, it really doesn't matter what you do in the flesh, in your body. It doesn't matter what you, what you indulge in. Because really that's of no regard to God. What God is concerned with is your spiritual life. So in other words, they weren't looking at life as a holistic thing, a whole thing. But they were making the separation between what you did in the body, how you lived your life, and also what you did spiritually. so if you practice spiritual disciplines, that 's what God was concerned over. it didn't matter if you were drunken or a drunkard or a glutton or or whatever the case might be, if you were a swindler right so it doesn't matter so you had these two extremes that were in in the church, so these two different errors, and so Paul is trying to bring. Into the church at at, uh, in, at the one of the Colossians, he's trying to bring truth. And how many know? Sometimes it's hard to bring truth when people already have preconceived ideas. How many believe that's true? You're trying to wade through and cut through the error to bring truth. And so Paul is trying to come. He's trying to. Uh, uh, he's attempting to correct this false teaching. And his whole outline in this text as he begins chapter 3 is an outline of what it means to live a holy life. What it means to imitate Jesus. And the reason why this is important is because as we imitate Jesus that we enact and we embody what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. I'll say that again. It, It means that when we imitate Jesus, it means that we are to embody and we are to enact what it's like to be citizens of the kingdom. And so very, very important here. So in the light of the resurrection, since we have been raised with Christ, in the light of our own resurrection, as we mentioned, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we've been made alive in Christ, seated in heavenly places. What does it mean as you go forward and you live in a culture, in a world that wants to influence us sometimes more than we influence it. And so Paul leaves us with really three simple little things, and I'm going to keep it really simple. He gives some wisdom on how a believer, how the church, by the way, is to think, look, and act. So the first thing Paul says to us, that since we've been raised with Christ, number one, That we are to think like it. Right, Aiden? Think like it. We are to think like it. I think he's gone with the kids. Thanks, Logan, for taking over. So we're to think like it. Look at verse 1, with me, chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So he's saying, set your heart. How many understand this morning that when we live in a world where there are so many things out there that are trying to obtain our heart? So many things that is trying to win our affections, our wills, our love, our ambition. And it happens 24-7. We have the influence of social media. We have the influence of friends. We have the influence of the workplace. We have the mainstream media. We have so many different things that are being piped in. We have public school and university education. Folks, I want you to know that we live in a secular society trying to shape a generation, not according to the standards of the kingdom, but according to the standards of the world. This is the context in which we find ourselves. And so Paul is saying, don't set your Don't set your hearts on these things, but set your heart, your will, your affections, your love, your ambitions, your minds, your thought life, your attitude, whatever comes out of your mouth on things that are above, not on things that are below. Now, folks, I'm not saying this to sound condemning at all, but how many of you have ever heard that some people, you know, they say that this person is so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Have you ever heard people say that? So we're not saying that. We're not saying that you just go somewhere in the desert and be some monk somewhere and just like hang onto a rock and just pray all day. No, we're not saying that. We're not saying that you're to go up somewhere, climb a telephone pole and just wait till Jesus comes. No. What he's driving at is, look, as you live in the world, Where is your heart in all of this? And be careful not to set your heart on the wrong thing. But set your heart on the kingdom of God. Set your heart, as as Matthew says in in chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Don't worry about all the other things in life. Amen? He'll take care of that stuff. Our Our number one mandate as the church is the glory of God. So if we've been raised with Christ How many know we, we, we First we've died Luke tells us in Luke chapter 9 it says, Jesus says that If anyone would come after me he Must first deny himself Take up his cross Which is an instrument of execution Daily Dying to the self Dying to the sinful nature And follow me So first be, before you can be raised You have to die Amen? You have to die to the sinful nature in order to be raised with Christ. See, we're no longer dead in our trespasses and sins, but we've been made alive. We've been raised, and Christ is with us. So why else are we to set our minds and hearts on the heavenly and not on the earthly? Well, let's suppose for a moment that you decided that you wanted to leave Canada and you wanted to go live somewhere over, we'll say in England. You want to live in England. Maybe you want to go to London, England. Isn't that beautiful? Well, it's a little blurry, thanks to Google. But how many know that if you want to go live in England, you'd have a little trouble if you decided that you were going to drive your car on the right side of the road would you agree with that this morning because they drive where on the wrong side that's right lincoln it's not even the left side it's the wrong side of the road so they're driving on the wrong side of the road so if you were over in england and you were going to live there you need to learn to think differently right you need to learn to drive differently on the road. That would take some adjustment, I would say. The way you think, A completely opposite side. Instead of weighing yourself in pounds, when I step on, I, I do this every morning now, because I'm watching my figure. And I and I get up in the morning, and uh, you know I make sure that everything is empty, because I'm trying to get. Like every, every tenth of a pound is big deal, right? So it's bad when you eat chips the night before though. you retain water. So I get up in the morning and I put my feet on the scale and I suck it in because that way I can see the numbers. <laughs> and I look, and, I, and, I, and I look down after it's settled to see what it is. and I weigh myself in pounds because I don't know how to weigh myself. Really in in kilos they weigh in kilos. Now I know that we are using metric over here, but I'm still in the middle you ever anybody like that you're still in the middle you're weighing yourself in pounds you're measuring the temperature in Celsius. Like we don't know what we are over here. I measure in feet and inches and there's not very many feet and inches to my height I can tell you that. But if you were over in England, you'd have to think differently, wouldn't you? You wouldn't get up in the morning, guys, and say, "I'm lady or or, or, dear, where, where did you put my pants?" You'd be asking, "Where did you put my trousers?" You wouldn't live in an apartment, perhaps, but you'd live in a flat. Yeah, you'd have to live in a flat, and you'd speak funny, wouldn't you? Maybe you'd pick a a tune on the guitar instead of picking one. Sound like a chicken. So you'd have to think differently. Now, folks, I say all that because if you go to a different country, you're going to be thinking differently when you're there. You're going to be living differently when you're there. And in the same way, we're told that since we've been raised with Christ Jesus, we're no longer citizens of the world. Did you know that? hallelujah, we're just got a passport. We're just passing through. We're no longer citizens of this world. No, sir. Not according to Ephesians 2, 6. It says that we have been seated with Christ, as I read this morning, in heavenly places. That makes you a citizen of heaven. Did you know that this morning? If you have been raised with Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. The Bible tells us that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. You don't, believe, you don't live there anymore. Hello, are you catching this? You can speak back to me. I like that. That's okay. You can say amen, Pastor Steve. That's right. Preach it, brother. You can say that. This is a Pentecostal church. Let her rip. Hallelujah. That's Yeah, there we go. That's it. Uh, nice hearty love that awesome keep it coming Quentin we might have to lock you down here we just might have to strap you in and bolt you right down right where you are no actually we couldn't do that because then you couldn't dance so Paul says in Philippians three twenty that our citizenship is in heaven folks we are citizens of another country we, we fly the flag it's not the flag of this planet it's the flag of heaven When we sing, we don't sing anymore the anthems of this world. We sing the anthems of our new nation. Amen. We don't pledge allegiance. We don't pledge allegiance to the government here. We pledge allegiance to King Jesus. It's his will. It's his way. That's the direction that we need to go in. We live in a different country. We live by the laws of a different country. So when King Jesus says to us that this is what you need to do, folks, we need to say yes, sir, and amen. Because this is the way we're going. He is the king. How many know he is the Lord of all lords? King of all... He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And all power and glory and allegiance of our hearts belong to him. That's why Paul said we need to think like it. The second part is this. We also need to look like it. We need to look like it. Now, folks, I'm not saying that you you need to come to church or you need to always... I'm... I'm not a, I'm not really a tie kind of guy. My neck is too fat for ties. Actually it's too muscularly thick for ties. It's too muscular now. See 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 I've been doing a lot of I don't know. So I've been beefing up the traps. Okay? So ties are just I can't even button up the first button, so. (laughs) Where am I, Lord? I don't even know where I am now. (laughs) Praise God. You gotta look like it, right? So I'm not saying you gotta dress up a certain way. I'd rather you come as you are. I believe that Jesus would rather us come as we are, but there is a way that we need to look, folks. Because how many understand that there are people who are watching and they're judging? Reminds me of when I was told a story one of the executive directors of missions and ministries over in the Maritimes Jim Malloy, he told us a story one time I'll never forget it and how Jim had had to go to uh, Ontario and so he went out to Ontario and he was there to conduct a wedding and so like most guys who are skilled at flights, he was able to cram just the bare necessities into his travel bags. And so he had a suit for the wedding, and he just had another change of clothes. Very, very light. Very light. And so, while he was on the airplane, interestingly enough, he got his only nice shirt that he packed full of mustard. So he had mustard on his shirt. And to make matters worse, when he got to the wedding, he had to go through a field where it had previously rained. And so the field was all wet and it was muddy. And so he's sloshing through the field. And you know what happens to your pants, right, when you're sloshing through the field? So he's gotten mud all over his shoes and all over the backs of his pants. It's not a nice sight. So. He sewed his pants. He can't wear his suit to church. Can't wear his suit to church. So enter the mustard stain. So Sunday comes. And Jim and his mustard stain go to church. They make an appearance. And uh, they show up in front of a guy who was very nicely dressed, by the way. And Jim, in his mustard-stained shirt, gets shunned by one of the ushers. They eyeballed Jim. They saw him coming a mile away with his bright mustard-stained shirt. And they did everything to avoid him. He's being shunned now because of mustard stain. And so they don't give him a bulletin. Yeah, really. And when it came time to shake hands and welcome they ignored him. Jim and his mustard stain. So at one point during the service, the pastor of the church gets up and he points out to the entire congregation, just want to let you know, congregation, that we have a very special guest here with us today. And this is how he was introduced. We have with us today the general superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies, of Canada. We welcome Jim Malloy. He wasn't even the general superintendent. He got it wrong. So here's Jim. With his shirt and his mustard stain. And the entire church. Now with their eyeballs. On him. And you can imagine. You can imagine the reaction. Of the usher. Who shunned him. Well, let me just tell you, if there had have been a red carpet there, it was rolled out for him. Hell. <laughs> Folks, I want you to know that people judge, don't they? Sadly, they do. And sadly, they do over some of the silliest little things. I don't know if you've ever watched this show or not, but I have to admit it that I've watched it. It's on TLC. It was called What Not to Wear. You ever watch that show? Used to be on TV one time. What not to wear. I'm not really a fashion buff. Don't know much about fashion. As long as it matches decently, I'm okay. But it's interesting that on the show, What Not to Wear, if you've seen the show, who's seen that show? Just so I, okay, I got a point of reference. This is good. That one of the things that they do is the hosts of the show, they have hidden cameras around and they try to find someone. They observe who has horrible fashion sense, horrible fashion sense. So they are like the fashion police, and so they find someone who, you know, it's it just it's just it's all wrong, whether it be their casual clothes or whether it be their work attire or their evening wear, whatever. I don't even have evening wear. What's that? T-shirt and sweat and and, and sleep pants? Yeah. So what they do is they decide that they that they get this person and that they are going to take them on a $5,000 shopping spree and give them guidance on what they should wear and what they should not wear to rebuild their wardrobe so that they can dress for success and all that sort of stuff. Well, how many understand this morning the same way? The Christian life is sort of like that show, What Not to Wear. Folks, there are people, not with not with hidden cameras, but there are people who are observing us. There's people who are looking to see what are they wearing today? And I say that in quotations. What are they wearing today? What are they wearing? And like the hosts, I forget their names now, but there are people who make comments about us as they observe what we happen to be wearing. Some comments might be good Some comments might not be so bad, but look what Paul says to the Colossian believers. He says, verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. What is the earthly nature? The earthly nature is the old one, the old man who tries to entice us to sin who tries to take us down the wrong path, as even our brother Quentin had referred to this morning in his own life. It's the desire that gives you the desires for things that are contrary to God's word and his will. Folks, I want you to understand God's word is a prophetic word. And that prophetic word that calls us to repentance in the world, to repentance is a word that is in contrast to the direction of the society and culture around us. That's why Paul says to the Colossians, believers is put to death whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because these things the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in the, these ways in the life you once lived. So we are to put those things to death. We remember what not to wear the show. They were willing to get rid of the old wardrobe and go and buy brand new. And how many know that that's what Jesus has done for us? He has—he's—he's he's calling us to say, "Look, you need to put away the old garments. You need to go throw that all into the trash because it's really no good." And here's what I'm going to replace it with: You must rid yourselves of these things. Paul says in verse eight. Now, let me illustrate that through a scenario this morning. How many? How many know that you could never come to church and anyone could ever make you mad? Did you know that you could? Did you catch that? you would never come to church you' never'd you'd never be in, you'd never come to church and there would be no one ever get you mad. That's not true, right? Because we're people. let's be honest when you're in family, how many how many are, how many are part of a family right now, a, a nuclear family you're, you're a part of a family, You've got mom, dad, brothers you, everybody in your family gets along all the time, 100 percent, right? Ha, ha, ha. Dads are perfect, right? Moms are perfect? The kids are perfect. No, no. No, sir. No, sir. So, so, you're, so whether it be your family or whether it be a church, whether it be the workplace, whether it be at school, or at a college, okay? Someone rubs you the wrong way. And so the next thing you know, you're angry. You're upset, okay? You're anger. People get angry. Even Christians get angry, just to let you know. But if that anger goes further, it can turn into rage. It can get very intense. In other words, you're so mad at the person that just to see them, you just want to bless them with a two-by-four upside the head. You are mad as a hornet. But then your anger and and your, and your rage, if it's not dealt with, folks, it can turn into something called malice. It can cause, you can give you a desire to want to cause distress in their life. Well, guess what? I'm going to get even with them, right? So I'm going to, so sometimes with kids, they, they are, they're playing and the next thing you know, they're playing Minecraft. And they're building a world in Minecraft. And all of a sudden, the seven-year-old starts to knock down what the nine-year-old is building. And the nine-year-old gets really mad, and he sets the setting to survival mode, which the little bad guys come out and start doing bad things to his sister's stuff. And then the sister gets mad, and he kicks; she kicks the brother in the leg. And the next thing you know, the brother hits his sister in the arm. And the next thing you know, she's scratching him on the cheek. And then Dad gets a call. Dad! Elizabeth is doing this to me <laughs> right it happens in the families you know causing them distress but then it can get worse you can, you can slander someone you can drag their name through the mud make them look really bad and you can lie about them it can really get out of control I want you to know that's, these are not the things that God likes do you know that? God doesn't want us to get to a point, like as it says in Proverbs 6, that God hates a lying tongue, a heart that devises wicked schemes, a false witness who pours out lies, stirs up dissension among brothers. No. So what does Paul say? Paul says, look, here's, here's my advice to you. you. You need to throw out that wardrobe. That's not what you're wearing anymore. That's graves clothes, man. You need to get rid of that wardrobe. That's not becoming of who you are now in Jesus. No sir way, no way. Because when you have a new wardrobe, that's the new self, which is being renewed every day in the knowledge and the image of God. Folks, we are, to be, we are being cast in the image of Him. To be like Him. We're on the potter's wheel and God has His hands all over us. And I want you to know this morning that there's things that He's cutting away and getting rid of and throwing away in the trash. Why? Because He's crafting a masterpiece in His image so in other words, get rid of that wardrobe. Keep on throwing out what's the old things and keep putting on what's new. Because that's who you are. That's your identity now. Since you've been raised with Christ, that's who you are. You're not to go back to be the old, in the old ways that you were. Amen? Because that's who you are now that you have been raised with Jesus the new life, resurrection life. And folks, there's power. You don't have to do it on your own. There's power of the Holy Spirit that comes alongside as we yield to him to bring life and peace into your life, that you have the power to be able to live according to the way that God wants us to. It's not something you do on your own. It's not just of your own effort. Verse 12. Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, he says, clothe yourselves with this, not anger, but with, with compassion. Compassion, not with malice, but with Kindness. Not with slander, but with humility, gentleness, and patience. You see the contrast here, folks. This is what we are to be like. This is, so what is compassion? Well, you know that it's totally the opposite of malice. Malice wants to cause somebody grief in their life. But compassion is like good medicine. It relieves the grief. It alleviates the pain. When someone is in need, you don't just sob a few tears. You reach out to them with help to make their life better. You touch their lives and you enrich it through your compassion. What's well, kindness? It's showing someone affection by doing a good deed. Closely connected to to compassion. Humility, excuse me, is the opposite of pride. Gentleness, the opposite of anger, and it's free from harshness and sternness or violence and patience patience well we're kind of going to get there too so now that we have all these this nice new wardrobe not only do we need to think not only do we need to look but we need to act like it third point act like it verses 13 to 15 now you're going to get into some patience here look what it says bear with each other oh man Pastor, you're sort of getting where the rubber meets the road. Oh, yeah. Since we have been raised with Christ, folks, it's one thing to celebrate resurrection life. It's another thing to live it every day in community. Bear with each other and forgive whatever. Could you say that with me? Forgive whatever grievance. Not just 50% of them. Not just 75%. Because I've heard people say, oh, I just don't think I can forgive that person. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. Folks, have have we sinned? Have we trespassed? Have we broken the heart of God? And how many times have we done it? And yet, every single time that we come to him with repentance and in search of his incomparable riches of his grace, that he is willing every single time to lavish his grace and his love upon us. And yet, folks, resurrection life means that we do the same. Whatever the issue is because folks it has to work among our friendships it has to work in the workplace it has to work on the schoolyard it has to work in the sandbox kids you remember when you were a kid your best friend does something to you you get mad and like probably like five seconds later you're friends again I think that adults need to observe that and be like, we need a seminar on that. Amen? Because that's the way it's supposed to work. And if it doesn't work, remember, there are people that are watching how it works. And if they don't see it working, if they don't see it experienced, if they don't see it lived out, they might look and say, well, that's all, it's, it's all a pile of foolishness. Because what you're saying on one hand is that Jesus can really give you new life. Well, I don't see you living it. Because if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work in our families, if it doesn't work in our workplace, if it doesn't work in the schoolyard, if it doesn't work in the church, then how can we share that as truth? Amen? Amen. So bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, I'm not coming to church anymore because the pastor didn't shake my hand. He's not omnipresent. Amen? And he's that imperfect father you talked about. I heard you talking about the pastor today. He said he was imperfect father. Because he's a father. I said our father's perfect and you said no. And so you, that was me. You are talking about me. No, just joking. Forgive whatever grievance that we have. Bear with one another. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. And over all these virtues. Do you catch this? I love how Paul's painting this picture. Over all of these virtues, things like compassion and kindness and and, and and all these. Over all those things. So if you could think it like they're almost like, you know, it's like a shirt and a tie. right? But over all those things, when you put on the suit. When you put on the dress over all your undergarments pantyhose. Some of you got panty toes because your feet are through them. <laughs> we don't know because your shoes covered up. Hallelujah. Over all these virtues put on love. Oh, not the kind of love that we have as humans. The, kind, the God's kind of love. God's kind of love. Love that covers over a multitude of sins. And bind them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace. Folks, Paul isn't just writing his letter to one person. He is writing it to a community. He's writing it to a local church. He's saying since you've been raised with Christ. You need to think that way. You need to act like that. You need to live like that. So, what does it mean to bear with one another? I'm just going to give you a quick illustration before I move to close. What does it mean to bear with, with each other? The Greek word here is also translated suffer, forbear, endure. I'll give you an illustration here. One time when the kids were young, my wife. She shared with me how she was having a day with the kids. And it happens, guys, just to let you know, because you'll have your kids of your own, same thing. They didn't stop talking. They didn't stop making noise. They didn't stop knitter-nattering. You ever have kids do that? Lift your hand. Okay, you guys are scared of your kids. It happens, right? It happens when you have children. And so I asked her, Well, how did that leave you feeling? And here's what she said. or or excuse me, I said, have you ever felt like leaving? That was my question. Have you ever felt like leaving when all that stuff's going on? She said, yes, but I couldn't stay gone very long. And I asked why. She said, it's because I love them. It's because I love them. What she was saying was this, I love them enough to put up with the noise. I love them enough to put up with their silliness. I love them enough to put up with their constant chatter. I love them enough to put up when they're pulling on my pant leg. I love them enough when they're when they're when they're throwing a fit on the floor and they're kicking and screaming. I love them I love them enough to stay with them through it all. Will you suffer? Yeah, you might suffer a little bit. Does it mean you've got to forbear or, or endure? Absolutely. Does it mean you'll get some headaches? Want to pull out your hair? I know, I think I pulled out some of my hair, if you can see back But she loved them enough to put up with them. And friends, I want us to just challenge this to say, that is a picture of Christ's patience and love for us today. And if that's the case, then how are we to be to one another? Do we love one another enough to put up with hurts? To put up with offenses? To put up with talk? To put up with whatever it might be? Because, as Paul said, we are to forgive whatever. Whatever. We don't just say, hey, what, whatever. No, it's we forgive whatever. Why? Because Jesus said, the world will know that you are mine because you love one another and i'm going to ask the worship team to come back this morning if you will hallelujah folks we've been celebrating resurrection sunday celebrating the new life that jesus has given the new lease on life that jesus the, the, the power of god at work in our lives at work in our church But how many understand that we still, you know, Sunday is going to come. Some, some Today is is Resurrection Sunday, but we're going to go home. We're going to have our Easter dinner. Maybe some of us might have an Easter nap. I don't really know what you got planned for the rest of the day, but can I just say this morning that when all the songs have been sung and the message has been preached and your ham or your turkey or whatever it is is now... In your colon. I just want to let you know that though it be Friday and Sunday has come that Monday morning is gonna you're gonna be facing Monday morning. The alarm is gonna go off and it's gonna be Monday. Oh pastor, don't remind us of that. It's gonna be Monday. Then Tuesday. Wednesday. Thursday. We're gonna have to wait a whole year for resurrection Sunday. Do you know that? So the question is for us, is since we've been raised with Christ, what is our Monday? You guys can start playing. on Monday. Our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, our May, our June, our July, our August, all the way till the next year when we can come together and celebrate the power of his resurrection in our lives. What's it gonna look like? And I believe that Paul has given us really simple things. Since we've been raised with Christ, if we could stand this morning together. The question is, is, do we think like resurrected people? Do we have our hearts and our minds set on the things of God? Since we are resurrected people, do we look like it? Or do we still have the old garments that we need to deal with? Well, folks, I want you to know that when we submit our hearts to him and we say, Lord, I need your help dealing with this issue, this issue, this issue, he will go into our closet where our garments might be. And folks, it's not something that we do alone. He partners with us. He helps us to take it off of the hanger out of the closet and throw it in to the bin ready for the garbage bin on the back alley. But he replaces it with something shinier. Something more radiant. Something that reflects his righteousness, his justice, and his character. Why? Because, folks, he is preparing you for glory. Hallelujah. He's preparing you for glory so that when When we stand with him in his kingdom, when it's consummated, that we will be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But he's beginning it now. Did you know that? Hallelujah. He's beginning it now. Since you've been raised with Christ, do you act like it? How do we relate to our brothers and sisters when something not so fun happens? What do we do? Do we leave them? Do we allow anger to turn to malice and slander? Or do we love so much that compassion and kindness and gentleness and the goodness of God is what just oozes out of us? So I ask again, since we've been raised with Christ, is the resurrection power of Jesus being manifested in you? Is it being manifested in our community? Because I wanted to challenge us in saying this, that folks, we have a world that's watching. They have a world that's looking in. And they're quick. They're going to be fast to pick out the mustard stain on the shirt. They're going to be quick to to find our faults. And, And you know what it does? It can discredit the gospel and it can discredit our God. So since we've been raised with Christ do we think like it? do we live like it? do we act like it? there are every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment for those that are in the sound of my voice as we, as we get the children are the children coming back? can we get the children to come back? who would say here this morning pastor I don't know I don't know the resurrection power in my life right now I have I haven't died with Christ. I haven't been raised with Christ. But I want to know Him. I want to know the change that Jesus can bring, the difference that He can make in my life. I want i want what Quentin's got. I want what he shared. I want that experience. Maybe you're here this morning and that's you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, could you raise your hand? And I just want to pray for you. Is that okay? I see. Anybody got a hand this morning? Anyone? Anyone, well, assuming that everyone here is a Christian, everyone is a believer, everyone's a follower of Jesus. Who would say this morning that I need the Spirit's help? I need the power of God's resurrection to help me to think like it. Who would say that this morning? I need to think like it. I see the hands. Thank you for those for those hands and that humility. I, I need to. I need to think like it. I need to live like it. Who would say, I need to really live like it? I see some hands going up. Thank you so much. So I need to think like it. I need to live like it. But I also need to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm acting like it. Because my thinking and my living and my action reflects, it, it mirrors, it's to mirror who Jesus is. And so, Lord, today, this morning, we pray over every hand and every heart that is raised towards you, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you will be at work in each and every life, each and every heart, each and every family in this church, God, that we would be a people who live, who think, and who act like we have really come out of the grave, that we have really taken off the grave's clothes. And we have a brand new garment. And each and every day, each and every day the Spirit of God is, is got his threads and He's got his needles, and He's the master tailor. Hallelujah. He's the master tailor. And he's tailoring us a garment, a robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. He is he's getting it all set and all oh man, he's he's making it shiny. He's making it Cleaner all the time as we as we are allow him to keep on sanctifying us because we are to reflect the radiant glory of our Jesus. How many would say that that's what I want to be? I want to I want to really be what it means to be a kingdom of the or a citizen of the kingdom. Can you lift your hand? I'm you you're recognizing that's your identity. I am a citizen of the kingdom, I am seated in heavenly places, therefore. While I'm here on planet Earth, I'm gonna think like it, I'm gonna live like it, and I'm gonna act like it. In Jesus' name. Let's say to this morning, let's just declare that. That we, let's say this together, that we, we, put that together, come on, that we, as citizens of the kingdom who are seated in heavenly places, we declare going forward, that we who have been raised with Christ will live like it, think like it, and act like it for His glory and His glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering of praise this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lead us, team. Lead, Lead us in that song. Had a a young brother who just uh, approached me, and he just wanted to know if if anyone here this morning has any pain in their body. Uh, And if you're here and you have any pain in your body, and you'd like to be prayed for, uh, he's been he's been willing to to offer his his services this morning to pray for you. and, And I know others would be willing to gather around. But if you're here this morning and and you're experiencing any pain, you know. The the power of God is not just so we can live a resurrected life, but the power of God has the ability to heal us physically, to heal our hearts, to restore us to our proper identity in Him. And if you're here this morning and you've got an ache or pain or something more than that, you're welcome to come, Be willing, more than willing, to pray for you and ask that the Lord would release His power upon you. if and if you're here this morning and you have to go you know you got a roast in the oven or a turkey or ham or whatever or you got family plans thank you so much for coming this morning thank you so much for worshiping with us and uh, we release you in jesus name we bless you and thank you so much for coming